All right, here we are in episode one. Welcome to this first episode of The Happy Side of Neutral. I'm your host, Marcy Osberg. This season is about a journey to find balance amidst the chaos and discover ways to live life on the happy side. In this first episode, which to be honest, I've been struggling to record, I'll be sharing my personal story about how this podcast came to be. I've really been procrastinating. In fact, I've already recorded several of the other episodes. It's just so much easier for me to ask other people about their lives than it is to talk about my own. But I can't release the rest of the episodes, which I'm really excited to share with all of you, until we release this one. So, here we go. It started in spring 2020, when the pandemic upended our lives as it did for so many around the world. Pre-pandemic, I wouldn't say we were thriving, but we were managing the chaos. Two full-time working adults and two kids, I'd been back to work after having the second one for six months and was starting to feel a little bit more on top of things, a little more balanced, still exhausted, but we were holding it together. Then in March 2020, everything changed. I remember the museums closed first, then schools, then daycares closed. And as the director of operations for a city of Boston department charged with helping residents find safe and affordable housing, my job was suddenly much more intense. Keeping our department operational was no small challenge. In a matter of days, we had to figure out how to get nearly 150 staff members from being fully office-based to having manageable remote work environments. With almost no hardware to deploy, only eight laptops, and significant portions of our operations relying on paper-based systems, our business as usual had to be completely redesigned. Our work itself also changed. We had to redistribute resources as some programs ground to a halt and need for others skyrocketed. We had to work quickly to protect the most vulnerable in our city, standing up beds for the unhoused, and as the economic impacts of the shutdown rippled out to our residents, our staff was scrambling to pivot existing and stand up new programs to meet these needs. All while daycares had shut down, but also so were playgrounds. I couldn't imagine being locked in our 1,000-square-foot apartment with two kids under four. So we packed our bags and headed to my parents for what we thought would be two weeks and ended up being months. To say that it was chaos and that I was working around the clock is an understatement. A good day started after six when the kids would wake us up demanding breakfast. Though not everyone in our expanded household loved schedules as much as I did, I imposed one to manage the daycare duties. My husband, Neil, would handle the first shift, then my mom, then I was up, then back to my mom to close out the workday. My dad would pop in for unscheduled, playful moments that always came just when we needed a break. Every morning, I would scramble to log in to the crisis response forum by 8 a.m. sharp camera on and ready to take in the essential information to distribute to our leadership team, and always ready to report on our accomplishments from the last 24 hours and actions for the next. Monday through Sunday would start this way with the current reality. While shocking at first, I eventually became numb to the numbers of deaths, hospital capacity, and lack of shelter beds. 
After this, I'd be in back-to-back meetings, always with my phone and messenger on so I could multitask, sharing critical information and handling issues as they came up. The kids figured out where I was working and would wander in to say hello. I often had to turn off my camera to feed the little one. At 11, I would stop working to manage lunch and get the kids down for a nap. And then by 5, I would relieve my mom from kid duty so she could cook dinner. The kids would get frustrated with my constant phone out while they wanted to play. Once the kids were in bed, I was back at the computer. This was my most focused time. I would work frantically, trying to meet constant deadlines. Everything was an emergency, whether real or imposed. I would aim to shut off the light by midnight so that we could get at least six hours of sleep before doing it all over again. My attention, and therefore my mind, was constantly divided. The remote work world and having my kids home meant I was never truly present in any task I was doing. I have a memory of standing outside tossing a ball to my son, holding my daughter on my hip, and with my earbuds in facilitating a staff beating by phone. It went on like this for six months. Whenever anyone asked how I was doing, I repeatedly told them how grateful I was. We have our family, our health, our jobs. We're doing okay. But inside, I was not okay. All of my strategies to maintain my sanity were failing. I could barely fit in a few deep breaths, let alone exercise, find the time to vent with friends, or any of the other ways I had managed tough times in the past. Eventually, the pace began to taper off. Daycares and playgrounds opened. We moved back to our own house. The crisis response meetings dropped from seven days to five and eventually to three. All signs of progress. But I did not begin to go back to normal. Everyday things were a struggle. Getting out of bed, emptying the dishwasher, showering, cleaning up the kids' toys. And then there was the work itself, which had lost all enjoyment. I trudged through the day, trying to put one foot in front of the other. I couldn't motivate myself to put in the extra hours that I used to and started leaving tasks unfinished. I looked at the list of projects I needed to work on and not one sparked excitement, or anything at all really. I felt disconnected from work, it seemed impossible to make any progress, and I was emotionally exhausted in a way that spilled over into my home life. I want to pause here to say, if you're listening to this and you're feeling this way, I encourage you to find someone to talk to, a friend or family member or a therapist, someone who can help you understand you're not alone and help you find your way forward. I would have benefited from talking about how I was really doing, but instead I kept telling myself I should be grateful. I knew people who had it much worse. People who had lost loved ones, whose businesses had closed or were laid off, who didn't have family around to help. But now I understand acknowledging and naming your feelings is the first step to moving forward. I slowly began to recognize things were not as they should be. My husband used to say one of the best things about me was that I was always so pleasant. I was naturally happy. But lately, he started asking why I was so upset all the time. I was lashing out over minor things. I felt myself yelling all the time. I was often embarrassed by my outbursts, wondering what our neighbors upstairs would think. I had a sort of ridiculous aha moment when I went to our local cafe to get a coffee and a donut. I was having a hard time making up my mind and said to the woman at the counter, I'm not sure which donut to get. My son would like the rainbow sprinkles and my husband would like the chocolate. She responded, but what one do you want? Stunned by her question, I stood there frozen. Which one do I want? 
What do I like? I had no idea anymore. I realized I never consider my own joy or happiness with things as small as a donut and as large as life decisions. While you would think this selflessness led to a happy family, it actually meant I was less happy and therefore less pleasant to be around. This was a small but significant turning point for me. I realized I had misplaced core parts of myself. I used to think of myself as someone who is optimistic, gets stuff done, and is confident. Yet I had become the opposite of all these traits. My negative energy was infiltrating my home life. I was unmotivated at work, and there was this nagging voice in my head telling me that no one wanted to hear what I had to say. I even have data to back up this shift. I took a strengths finder test and positivity dropped from top five strengths when I took it in 2011 to number 14 when I took it in 2021. And StrengthsFinder officially says your strengths don't change, so there's no need to retest. I knew I needed to leave my job, but I was too exhausted to find the next thing. When a fellowship opportunity I had been banking on fell through, I was devastated. I asked myself why I wanted it so badly. It wasn't prestige or a resume builder. It was time I wanted. Time to take a breath. Time to find myself again. Time to find my balance and discover ways to prevent burnout. So I decided to gift myself that time. I recognize the privilege of this. Not everyone can take an unpaid break. I had a partner with steady work who could take over our family's insurance, and I had savings to cover expenses for a while. I didn't know until after I left that I was just one of many voluntarily leaving the workforce. It even has a name, the Great Resignation, also known as the Great Reshuffle, or my favorite, the Big Quit. Thousands of articles were written on the topic with titles like, The Great Resignation Continues as 44% of Workers Look for a New Job, or As Pandemic Recedes, Millions of Workers Are Saying I Quit. It even has its own Wikipedia page. In fact, it's very likely as you're listening to this that you're thinking of a friend or family member who's part of this great resignation. While my pandemic burnout story was more extreme, I have been here before. I have a tendency of pushing myself to my limits and then crashing. This happened when I was a teacher in the Boston Public Schools. It happened in graduate school when I took on too many projects. When I do something I care about, I go all in, often at the expense of my mental health. So I'm taking time during my big quit, my sabbatical, to figure out a bit more about balance. And I'm using this podcast as a way to get answers. One of the ways I learn best is to read and talk to people. So you can expect that this podcast season, we will discuss interesting books that are influential to me, chat with inspirational women working to have an impact on the world and trying to maintain their own sense of balance. And you'll hear my reflections as I go through this process of learning and discovery. I want to leave you with this poem I came across by Rainer Maria Rilke, titled Living the Questions. Be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves, like locked rooms and like books that are now written in a very foreign tongue. Do not now seek the answers, which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answer. 
So join me this season on the happy side of neutral as I make an effort to live the questions. I hope you and I will find nuggets of wisdom about how to answer these questions in the upcoming episodes. And if you have ideas of people I should talk to or things I should read, send me a note. I want to give a big thanks to my life partner and podcast partner, Neil Markakar, who wrote the intro music and has been determined to make this sound professional. And thanks to all my friends and family who let me brainstorm and workshop this idea for many months before I actually pulled out the microphone. So hit subscribe on your streaming platform of choice and tune in again next week as I chat with some amazing women about books that have inspired me to think differently about happiness and framed my thinking about finding balance.